Hey guys, welcome to the One and Done podcast, where it's all about young people being successful in business early in life. We're recording today from the Rollo Insurance Studio in College Station, Texas, and we're excited to have y'all with us today. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode number 10 of the One and Done. Uh, today we have two special guests from Booster Brand Marketing. We have Abby Pierre-Louis, <laughs> she's 23, and she's joining us from Miami, and then we have Hannah Smith, who's also 23, and they're both co-owners of Booster Brand Marketing. So, Abby and Hannah, thanks for joining the show. We're excited. First of all, tell everybody what Booster Brand Marketing is. I, I kind of found you guys through LinkedIn, and then Hannah obviously went through one of the a Master's programs that I follow. Tell me about y'all's company and how it got started. So, Boost Your Brand is a digital marketing agency, and it's built on a passion to bring visions to life. That's why Abby and I co-founded the digital marketing agency. And we do that through all different areas of marketing. As everyone knows, there's so many aspects to marketing. It's a very broad industry when it comes to what we do and how we do it and what we use to do it. So, anyway, the... The why is to bring visions to life. And that's just something that Abby and I have been passionate about. We've done um, entrepreneurship and work on our own individually throughout college and then a little bit after college. And um, we got together and we decided that, you know, we've been able to do it so well on our own to a point where we have this experience, we have knowledge, we're young, we have a lot of energy and entrepreneurship requires a lot of a lot of it's not just the nine to five, it's a lot of early mornings and late nights. Um, and we both have this incredible work ethic and we've known each other for forever. So our chemistry um, works really well as well. And we have great complementary strengths. And so with that foundation of bringing visions to life and our work ethic and our relationship, we founded Boost Your Brand. Boost Your Brand, digital marketing agency that is focused on bringing visions to life. That's um, We really emphasize that it's based on research it's based on hard work. Um, we will put the customer first. Hannah is huge on that, like huge on that. And we will make sure that everything is based on research data, things that make sense, which I'm more the numbers data person. Um, that's how my head works. And so like Hannah said, we have very complementary um, traits about ourselves that complement each other. Absolutely. Yeah, I bet that helped uh, kicking everything off because everybody was looking to you know market themselves in some way and it couldn't be in person very much anymore. So I bet that helped a lot um, starting off and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we've already had one digital marketing agency on. Um, but tell everybody, give everybody a brief description of kind of what your day to day looks like, because it probably is a little bit different. So our day to day definitely, like you said, looks different. Um, and it also is just as entrepreneurship goes, it's different every day. There's new challenges every day. There's exciting things every day. It's like a roller coaster, which I love and Abby loves, which is why, you know, we decided to become entrepreneurs. But anyway, I'll get up and, and um, we always start our day with an update on where we ended last night and what our updates are for our clients and with each other and where we're at so that we know what are our priority? What our priorities are for throughout the throughout the day, um, and then after that, we either have client meetings or we go into the work that we do. So that can be anywhere from editing content, like videography and pictures for our clients. We did some LinkedIn sales training, so meetings with clients, um, and then it can be just a range of things that we do. And then throughout the day, we'll have meetings and we'll work. And then I also coach Orange Theory because fitness is a huge passion of mine, and then I'm also married, so. 
keeping up with my husband, checking up on him, <laughs> uh, laundry dishes, all that's part of it as well. Um, because you do still have a house and still have those duties that we have, but, um, that's typically, I know it's kind of everywhere, but again, I feel like that's a great description of a day in an entrepreneur's life. It's, you have a million responsibilities and challenges that you go throughout the day and that's what makes it exciting. Like, as Hannah said, we work opposites. Um, so my day does not look like Hannah's day at all, ever. I have not seen one day where we're, like, <laughs> the same. <laughs> um, like Hannah said, I'll wake up at, like, 5 a.m. because I do actually have a 9 to 5 as well. So I work for a Fortune 200 company during the day. Um, but those four hours before my 9 to 5, I'll spend doing Boost Your Brands. And four hours after my nine to five, I'll spend doing Boosty Brand to get things done. Um, the reason why we send each other updates every single morning is because our schedules are opposite. We don't know if we'll catch each other during the um, meteor part of the day, but we know we have work to do. And so a lot of it is just self-discipline, um, lots of planners, lots of calendars, lots of organization, and lots of communication between us. Um, but by the end of the night, when I'm done with, Hannah's like, okay, I'll stay up till two in the morning. And so <laughs> Hannah is the night owl who she's like, all right, I need this stuff done. So she's going to get it done. And even if I'm like, Hannah, I'll wake up at 5am and do it. She's like, well, if I, she doesn't do it now, she's going to do it never. So we compliment <laughs> each other in that way. Cause I love waking up to, I finish the presentation and I'm waking up at five to finish the presentation. I'm like, <laughs> maybe I can sleep for another 30 minutes. <laughs> um, but yeah, our days are very opposite, but we're always moving towards the same goal and have the same self-discipline in our own day to day. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it sounds, I mean, first of all, you know, you're successful just from y'all hearing y'all's schedules, right? Because you're, you're both working hard as entrepreneurs. You're both uh, putting in the time and the effort. I think that outside of that normal nine to five, right? That's really when entrepreneurs do their best work. Um, but you guys, it sounds like you're busy. Sounds like you're doing a lot of good stuff. And it's probably a good thing you are different, right? Y'all get a lot of stuff done when the other person, if y'all were the exact same, there'd be a lot of stuff not getting done. So it's, it's yeah. a good thing they are, they are a little bit different in that, in that regard. Tell everybody what marketing or digital, uh, what did you call it, digital marketing? Mm -hmm. What is digital marketing and kind of what what do you guys do for companies when you go in and, and help them out? Great questions. Digital marketing, um, it can be anywhere from creating a platform for your brand. So if you have an in-person store, if you have retail, taking it online, it can be as just like that. But it can also be content creation on that digital platform. It can be website design. So we are creating a space for them digitally, but then we're also creating a, a more consistent brand for them as well. So making sure we are repeatedly showing their clients who they are and what they stand for and what they do for them and client testimonials and all that stuff. So we do and what we do for our clients, we typically will have a brand audit process. If we work with a brand, what we'll do is, Abby said it so well earlier, is we do everything backed on research, backed on data. So we will do the research of what is your target market, where they where they are, where they could be, and where they should be, and then we 
do competitive analysis of their competitors. And then um, we also do target market research of a strategy of, okay, we've, so we know where they could be, where they would be, where they should be. Now, how do we reach them? So then we'll give them strategy based on that as well. Marketing is really hard because it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? So right. I could give you a bunch of content and if you don't like it, my work was almost for nothing because my client doesn't like what I did. So, and you have to understand that just going into the industry, how that is, you create a million mock-ups, just it's, you're going to spend days and hours and hours just to please your client too. But um, back to what I was saying with the brand audit, that's our process. And then our proposal comes after. So they'll pay us to do a brand audit and then we'll, we'll audit them. We'll do all the research, show them that research in a presentation and then propose what we think is best for them going forward based on the research. So they know, they know that we've put in the work, we put in the time and we care. We, we just range in so many different things. We also do event planning. So BCS Axe House is another one of our clients and they were struggling. They just opened, they were supposed to open during COVID, you know, COVID hit. So they pushed their opening back and they were struggling to get awareness. And so we pitched the glow throw idea, which is an event that we just um, threw with them last week. And that was an event where we put in black lights in the ax house. We had food vendors. We collaborated with 10 local businesses to do prizes and giveaways. And we sold out the event for them and got to show them all the awareness we brought. We reached like 8,000 people. So it was really cool to be able to take this company who had just opened post COVID, we're kind of struggling with getting their name out there and getting the awareness out there. We took it, we ran with it. And within a month, we increased their reach by 8,000 people, sold out an event for them. And now we've helped them continue their bookings. And we're working with content creation and stuff with them as well. So I think something that we really emphasized when we started the company was, hey, you, you, you pay for your office space, right? Yes. Well, people can't go into your office anymore. We're in a pandemic. Okay. So now your new office space is your website. It's your social media, it's your YouTube channel. It is those platforms that people will search for you at. Um, If you don't have that in place, you don't have an office anymore. And getting people on those platforms is our first step. But then from there, when you have your, your hub together, when you have your brand solidified on a digital platform, and that's when you can go ahead and and acquire new clients. expand your reach, get more brand awareness and such. And so that's everything that Hannah was going to detail on because it does range from event marketing to just consultation and strategy. Like anything you need, we are here to figure it out. If we can't figure it out, you will know because we present everything based on research. Everything is based on research. So yeah, I've heard y'all say that multiple times. Talk about Mm -hmm. that just a minute because you know, from my perspective and probably from everyone who's listening to this and hopefully there's some young people who want to get into y'all's business at some point, what did they have to realize, you know, in regards to research, how, what, what exactly is that when you say we're doing research, what exactly are y'all doing? And then how important is that to y'all's end product that y'all provide to a client? I guess we're in a very, like Hannah put on the questionnaire, we're in a very creative industry. Um, there's a lot of uncontrollable variables, variables, and there's a lot of art being created, right? Right. Creativity, it's based on your opinion of what that, what, what will make something beautiful. And so when it comes to creating, 
you might think it's the best thing in the world and your client's like that's hideous i hate it and so how many times has that happened already you have no idea (laughs) quite a few you're like we know this is amazing and they're like we don't like it i'm like oh great oh, we don't we don't like it now i have to create something else and but that was the most beautiful thing i thought i could have created for you so like because there's so many uncontrollable variables and a lot of opinions it is difficult to navigate the space if you don't have factual things in place so that's where the research comes in that's where the data comes in like hannah will create something and be like what if they don't like it and me being the numbers brain, I'm like, okay, we need to send a survey out. We need to get data from the clients on their experience. We need to get data on this and we need to get this because we need to be able to cover our butts if they don't like it. Because it's not always about you liking it. It's about what is going to work. And what your target market um, thinks so of if it. We have, exactly. If we have our research, if we have data, if we have a, if we can show return on investment and if we can show proof of concept, that is going to go a lot further than our creativity alone. Absolutely. And so that's why we, that's how we emphasize that. And probably a lot of the times you're, you're trying to convince people to change what they've probably traditionally done for a very long time yes. and doing that with just your opinion alone, right? Even you're if you're talking to with like 50 year old plus business owners who have been doing a certain thing their entire life for business. When we went in and we trained a sales staff, we had to teach multiple men and women who are, you know, again, 50 plus who've been doing door to door sales, who have been doing cold calls their entire life and they know nothing else. And to show them LinkedIn, they don't know what social media is. Yeah. They half them don't even have a phone to use it. Yeah. So, and you can imagine the amount of patience and effort of trying to convince them and show them the data is there and be like, hey, this is where business is being done now. This is where it's shifting. If you want your company to continue to grow, you have to grow with society and how it's changing. And the research too, what's nice about the MS business program is I did competitive analysis for companies like Target. Our whole, our whole, we have, we call them blocks. They're like semesters and right. in the master's program. Well, our whole couple blocks was to do this whole presentation on the Target brand. And we did target market research. We did competitive analysis. We did all that. And I was taught that by professionals and people who have been in the consulting industry for years and years and who had experience. So that also really helped from my end bringing to the table of what the research should look like, where we should get it from, stuff like that. Yeah. And you know, people probably don't like to hear this very often, but I think through doing this podcast, one of the biggest things I've taken is it does not matter what industry you're in, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you're in sales. Mm, oh, 100%. You know, and, and people are probably people, especially a lot of times in college, which is who we're trying to target with this. They're thinking, oh, I want to go into you know digital marketing. I can sit behind a computer. I don't have to talk to people. I get to build things and give them to them. No, you have to get to know these people, right? How much How much of that is part of y'all's process? Just talking to the, the business owner or the marketing team and getting to know them. Abby, how, how much do I spend with clients? <laughs> Especially since most of our clients are in Texas, Hannah spends the majority of her time milking these relationships and making sure that they are in place. Because at the end of the day, yes, those relationships matter. And we are constantly selling ourselves. Every time we open our mouths, we are selling ourselves at the end of the day. And so the relationship aspect of that is very important. And I would say like, when it comes to emails, phone calls, text messages, I would say, well, Hannah, at least, at least two hours a day, if not like three, 
We do a great job on the back end creating stuff, which is my passion. But I, I majored in communication, not just because it was an easy major. And that's a hard thing, especially if you're in college and you, you're not you're trying to figure out where you want to go. I made the most of my major and I really loved it. And I studied communication. I studied like hands, hand gestures and the way people talk and their tone and how to read people. And it really helped. I'm also a naturally extroverted person. I talk really fast. So I apologize if I'm talking really fast. I talk really fast at a high speed and I'm like, go, go go, 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 go. But I'm learning too in sales, you match people, you match their tone, you match their posture, you match a lot of that. And you're able to not only make the sale, but also relate with them on a communication level and then build from there. My clients, they, they'll tell you all the time. They feel like family now. They feel like they're our best friends because they text me, they call me, they, it's not just email. And that's the thing that you have to understand though, is when you're doing business with people, this is people's livelihood. This is their life. This is everything that matters to them. And you have to put yourself in that position. I'm trusting someone with my business. How would I feel? I would want constant communication. So you have to make yourself available. But like you said, with sales, you are always selling yourself. What's really cool though, is because we've been able to master this like relationship building. Like I, I work in business to business sales already. And so I know how to talk to business owners, but Hannah, I remember like we would literally, like I'd be taking notes on how, what, what she did wrong, what she did right, what she needs to keep doing. And like after the past three months, we are great, but the process to get this communication styles down was very, it was a lot for us. Lot. I'm a 23 year old giving another 23 year old advice. Like we're like, all right. On how to talk this. to a 50 year old. Like yeah. it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Talk about that for a minute. Cause you know, that's something that, that whenever I first got into my business, right. And being in sales and people were like, I don't know if I want to buy insurance from a 22 year old who. <laughs> still going to college, right? And so you really have to sell yourself. And I think being young, having energy, that's something you can absolutely sell. Is, has there been any times you've encountered a little bit of hesitation because of y'all's age? And if so, kind of how did y'all combat that with, what did what'd you, what attributes, I guess, did you use to combat that? Abby, I'm laughing right now because I'm thinking of with Janitor's Warehouse. That's one of the companies you work with in Houston. They've also had an Austin location. But what was funny with, with that is, we are one of our first clients. We were, you know, calling, doing consultations with them, trying to get them to become a client. And they were kind of asking around age and, you know, kind of trying to figure us out because they're salesmen too. <laughs> right. And Abby was, yeah. you know, texting me while we're on the call, like they're trying to figure out our age and like all this stuff. That does make it a little bit more challenging. So we have to kind of build that rapport and then despite our age, show them that there's proof to trust us. So um, Abby and I are very confident in the work we do. We're not, oh, come to me. I can do your digital marketing. Let me run your Instagram. And then here we go. It's not that at all. Right. When it comes to trying to get business and talking and sell yourself to an older demographic confidence is absolutely number one no I totally agree confidence is our number one like Hannah really hit that on the head I have a lot of entrepreneurial family too they would talk to me and they'd be like you and Hannah you have the network you have the knowledge you have the charismatic like you have the vibrance to you guys like you guys got it all now you just need to make sure it shows in your work. And so we just had to be confident in what we could provide to people at the end of the day. So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I was going to ask you, so both of you have, you know, entrepreneurs in, in your families. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about some of the characteristics that you gained from them being entrepreneurs that you're able to build into your business that helped uh, with your success so early. Even just me 
and Hannah working together, I noticed that I have less, I have a lot of confidence built from having entrepreneurial family and from them teaching me how to navigate this space. Um, Cause as you said, entrepreneurs are constantly selling themselves. So if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you, period. <laughs> if you don't believe in yourself, who is going to believe in you? That is huge. And so they taught me that. They also taught me how to push myself and, and test my own limits. Um, my uncle has this thing that he says, he's like, yeah, you're really smart, but what does that knowledge do for you? And I'm like, what? And he's like, is knowledge power? And I'm like, yes, I'm brilliant. Yes, knowledge <laughs> is power. Abby's also and a genius, like, by the way. Abby is very smart. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and he's like, Abby, knowledge isn't power. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I went to all this school. What are you talking about? Knowledge isn't power. And he said, applied knowledge is power. You can be the smartest person in the room. If you don't do anything with it, it means nothing. Um, and so first, they taught me confidence. Second, they're like, do something about it. Stop talking about it. Do something. For me to have a nine to five and have my own LLC and um, work with them, it's because I've pushed myself to such limits. I know how much I can achieve in life. And I, there's no stopping us. Like, mm -hmm. and I, and our we're only are a like, few months old too. We launched in November. Right. So, yeah. That's what I was going to say, you know, just for a few months, you guys have a, have, you know, quite a bit of success so far. But I think that, like you said, that that comes with that knowledge. You have to have, you got to have knowledge, but you also have to have the application of it, right? There's a lot of people, in my mm -hmm. opinion, and this is huge for anybody listening. It, there's a lot of people who work very, very hard, but they maybe don't use, you know, their brain in doing so. They're just very hard workers, and that's that's great. And then there's people who are super, super smart, but they don't, you know, like you said, they don't apply that knowledge. They mm -hmm. don't, they don't, uh, you know, they maybe don't, work hard in that way. And then there's people who mix both together. In my opinion, those are entrepreneurs, yes. those are small business owners, right? What oh, America's yeah. built on. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what you guys see. And that's what you guys do is y'all help them out and, you know, kind of, kind of transitioning from the in-person sales to the digital marketing of where we're at, you know, in 2021. So I think that's really cool what you guys do. And like you said, uh, what what's the phrase you kept using about building people's visions? we bring we have a passion to bring visions to life yeah i really like that i think that i think that's going to resonate with a lot of people as well but that's so, why we have our flame too like in our oh yeah yeah the flame it's in like the logo we, we boost your brand so there's like a uh like a like a flame we're boosting it almost like underneath the rocket and then we also want we want people to see that and get and feel like they're brought to life and that's what we're able to do with our clients and we feel like our branding is really able to showcase that as well absolutely so i do want to go back and ask you that question mm -hmm. hannah so what having entrepreneur, you know, people in your, in your life, what did that do for your confidence or what did that do for you as far as characteristics go that helped you being successful? I was really able to learn through my dad. I say he's like my hero. He's, he's incredible. He started a landscaping company in Chicago with his brothers. It's still around to this day. Miller brothers landscaping, huge multi-million dollar corporation. It's awesome. Um, but he always, ever since he was in eighth grade, knew he wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And he had that goal in mind in eighth grade. And now he owns his own clinic. And I'll go into that more in a second. But he he started that landscaping company with his brothers. And then he ended up dropping out of that company to become an orthopedic surgeon, go to medical school, all that stuff. We moved to Texas when I was 16. So fairly recent for my age. I'm 23. It's been a few years. Um, but I we were able to move here, but he moved here with no network. So moving into a new state too, even though you're a doctor, no network, no patients, nothing. Um, he had to start from scratch and building a career 
in that industry and having to start from scratch in another state is a really tricky and, and difficult thing to do because you work you work all these years in school and then you finally, you know, you get to start paying off your debt for school and start getting patients and everything that you start building your presence as a doctor, start buying into a clinic and a practice and a medical practice and a hospital. And then he did that for a few years and started building and building and building. And then we made the move to Texas. And there was a lot of reasons that we moved to Texas, the economy being one. Um, but he saw the potential for his family and for us to, to flourish and grow here. So we moved here and he was able to start from scratch because he, I'm telling you, his work ethic is like unmatched. He's up at 4 a.m., goes, I mean, because he's also doing surgery. I mean, he right. he in, in Chicago was, and still to this day, he's seen like 60 patients a day when the average for him is like 30 to 40. He's over, he's over doubling that. It's insane yeah. if you see what he does, but his passion for people, his passion for what he does is something that I noticed early on. I was able to do some marketing for him and he gave me some freelance opportunities, which was really amazing. But he taught me about work ethic, about what it's like to start from the bottom and the hustle and the grind that it takes to start from the bottom. And what's really great about him is he's the most selfless, humble man you'll ever meet. You'll never hear him brag about his success. About He's now started a clinic, has two doctors onboarded, and now they're buying another building and adding two more in the fall. And he just launched it a couple years ago. So his clinic and his practice is growing like crazy. So he's, yes, he's a surgeon, but he's also in sales. He's also an entrepreneur. He also does all those things. And I was able to really watch that as a child and have that example set for me. Yeah. You know, work, I think the two biggest ones I'm hearing from you guys are, you know, work ethic and then application of, of you know, the, the knowledge that you guys have. I would tell you just from talking to you for, for this short amount of time, probably another one is going to be how you talk to business owners, right? So you, Abby said you talk to business owners almost every single day, right? In your, in your nine to five yeah. job. Um, I mean, my parents are business owners, your parents are business there's a certain way you have to talk to them to get your foot in the door and then to really demand their their attention for the time you have them because small business owners in particular are usually like running like chickens with their heads cut off, right? Oh, yeah, there is fires everywhere all the time. <laughs> like there's no such thing as a normal day, right? You wake up and it's just, where are we at today? Let's, let's fix it. So having, knowing how to talk to them, really knowing, I guess, questions to ask is probably a big one in sales, like questions you can ask to get to know them a little bit better. And then for you guys specifically, know their businesses a little bit better. So that's probably another thing that I'm, I'm sure you guys have taken out of that because y'all y'all you know portrayed that in, in today's discussion. I just want to talk more about what you guys did to build your company, find the success you did. And then like, here's the thing. I'm The reason I built this podcast was because I'm a big believer that you don't have to wait till you're 28 to find really, really good success, right? But everyone wants to tell you that. I, it drives me. It drives me crazy. But there, I think. I think secular ec education really drives that. Get out of school. Go take your first job. Don't like it. Go find your second job. Maybe you like it. Maybe yeah. you move up mm -hmm. there. Maybe you find your third job and you move up there. My so sister even said, like, no, no one likes their first job. She looked at me. She's yeah. she's a senior at Baylor, <laughs> and she's like interviewing with all these positions and I'm like asking her about how it's going and I'm excited for her. I'm like, oh yes, do you have any exciting opportunities? And she's like, well, no one really likes their first job out of college. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So just settle, just pay I, for all that school and then settle yeah, for a job you don't like. Yeah. It's really unfortunate that that's pushed in society. Like here's the step-by-step, -step. here's the boxes you need to check. And if you check these boxes, you are successful. Right. It is it is hard to find people pushing you to just excel in what you're good at and believe in yourself enough to know that you can make something out of what you believe your your purpose is. 
Um, I will, I think the biggest example for me is my family just came to America like 35 years ago. Um, I have an, my godfather, he came to America around what, 20? And he was a multimillionaire by 26. It's insane. Without, this is not his first I need to language. get his information <laughs> to get him on the podcast. We'll no, talk in the Abby's past. family's incredible. Yeah, that's Those awesome. The they're from Haiti. They're that... first generation immigrants. So it's really, their story is really cool. That is awesome. Yeah, they're from Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. And somehow they managed to come here and build their own businesses. I, I think the biggest thing that school misses, in my opinion, is the sales. They don't teach you about, they teach you. Go to school, get a get a guaranteed salary job that's gonna pay the bills, and like I said, move up from there. But when you guys are doing what y'all are doing, right? Entrepreneurship's it's risky. You don't know if you're gonna get a client. You don't know if you're ever gonna have any success at all. And that's why you gotta bet on yourself. And instead of saying, okay, well, you know, I, I don't really think this is gonna be successful. You, but y'all have people behind in your corner who are entrepreneurs who are able to say. No, you're going to be successful. Here's what you do. You sell yourself. You talk to business owners. You'll have great networks. Go, go work them. Yeah. And you go do it. And I think a lot of times in sales, what holds people back, even in y'all's industry, is they're afraid to go talk to people. And they're afraid to tell them, hey, this is this is what Especially I do. With our generation, you hide behind technology so yeah. much. You talk about going in person to meet someone. It's like, oh, I'm like, why are you so afraid? And that's just kind of how we see it. And also success when it comes to college and what we were talking about, you know, how college is, doesn't talk about sales, doesn't talk about selling yourself. It's like, get this job that you settle for. Success, you have to define for yourself. Success is not something that you can let everyone else define for you. Success has to be something that you define for yourself. And so whether that's an amount of money, like X you want to you want to start making, or a goal of, you know, starting a family, or a goal of progressing your relationship, or a goal of, of losing weight and getting into an active lifestyle, whatever that goal is, you have to set those for yourself and measure your own success. Because if you let everyone else in your life, in college, and your professors, and your family tell you what success is to them, then you're never going to find out what your version of success is. And you'll go, you'll go through life 30 years later looking back at, oh, I just worked a mediocre job that I didn't like that much. I did all this stuff throughout college that I didn't really like. I'm in a relationship that I'm not really happy with. What happened? And now I'm 40. And you don't want that to happen. So it's like, what is success for me? And how can I get there? Yes. And I, I think uh, that's really important to remember um, to just leverage your personal strengths rather than becoming the best version of someone else. Because we are literally in a system that's teaching us what success is and defining it for us. And as Hannah said, you need to step out of your comfort zone and really look within yourself. And that makes anyone uncomfortable. Um, but it is very important in, in your growth. Um, I, I think another thing that's a really significant about Hannah and I is the way we grew up was not normal. No. Either. We have the most we diverse group of friends you'll ever meet. <laughs> Yeah, we went to like a private school with like 40 kids in the whole class. Kindergarten, Kindergarten through high school. Same people. Old, yeah. Maybe two school, people that have people. came. Yeah. And you had no choice but to like define yourself, figure out who you are and stick to it because nobody around you was just like you. No, not ever. at all. So everyone was different. Parents, everyone was different. Yes. And our parents like 
Hannah's family made no sense to like I met them they lived in a barn and then they live in a big house in fifth grade and like I'm just like this is normal this is my best friend okay we renovated a farmhouse that's what she we didn't live in a barn yeah, lived in a barn. we had an old farmhouse that my dad renovated into they called them the McMansion it's this huge incredible house off a lake in Chicago but it was an old farmhouse that was they were trying to do make it a historical landmark and my dad convinced them to let to let us like redo it so not not a barn. My mom is a, my mom is from a farmer though. She's from agriculture. She is she her family owns a dairy farm. And so she also has a great work ethic that I've learned from as well. So I mean, but Abby's from yeah. Miami, right? So anything on like what more no, than twenty Chicago. No, but anything more than like what twenty acres is like a barn? Like that house is a barn, yeah, right? Like, Y'all have horses out there. Land. Yeah. I no. was like, they live in the middle of nowhere on a bunch of land, and then it turned into like a gorgeous home and i'm just like Sweet. i don't know what's going on but that was our norm we were just like chilling i, I would yeah. go and tour the house as it's being built and i'm like so um where's hannah's room and uh, where's my room my sister and i we had this giant mansion and my sister and i had to share a room and that's another part where how my parents raised us abby was always like my parents have done really well for themselves they're they're wealthy they're successful they're great but they have never spoiled us right. i did not get a phone till yeah. i was 17 i when i got a car it was a used car and they looked at me and they said, you know, you're going to help pay for gas. You can pay for this you can pay for this. And it's not yours. Remember it's ours because they wanted me right. to not be given anything. I started, I had to get a worker's permit when I was 15 year old. Cause you're not allowed to legally work when you're 15 right. unless you have a worker's permit. I had to literally fill out the paperwork myself, get a worker's permit. I had three jobs. If I wanted anything besides what was absolutely necessary for myself I had to work for it and that's one thing with parents when they have all this money they're like oh I I get to spoil my kid and I get to give them this and at some point yes like they helped pay for my education they helped provide the necess the necessities when it came to growing up and, and making sure there was food on the table stuff like that but they never spoiled me to the point where even my friends who you know whose families maybe weren't at that level were given way more than I was and that was something that my parents always wanted to instill in me is nothing is yeah. ever given work to you ethic. it's earned oh Absolutely. yeah and Absolutely. that's why Abby's saying too Abby's like this made no sense you know Hannah and then you go to her house and you're like what that's hilarious <laughs> like what is this her dad had the same car since we were he what? drove a 2007 school. honda pilot as an orthopedic surgeon for his like entire life he just got a range rover like two years ago because yeah. my mom was like chris you know you cannot be pulling up your you know your patients yeah, are going to see this are gonna see your, yeah, your patients are seeing this it doesn't look good this, and he's like who like, cares like, I don't like this care. guy's fixing my hip but i don't know about yeah this. exactly exactly <laughs> my mom's like you have to worry about that but yeah. my dad is so not materialistic yeah. i mean He's literally, he, he's told us, he's like, I want to, I mean, he takes us on really ex extravagant, like super nice trips and spends money on experiences and saves up money to give to us for like our ventures or different things. Like he's all about investing money in the right places. And he's extremely charitable. He gives to, like he had a, he had a nurse whose sister, so not even his nurse, his nurse's sister had been renting a house and the house burned down. And they didn't get renter's insurance because they were only renting for like three months because right. it was something crazy. And and he literally donated tons and tons of money to help help with that. And just like he hears about something he gives and he does not spend. He doesn't yeah. have the sports car in a garage. He does not like show off. That's just not who he is. And yeah. so he wants to make sure people know that and people don't don't judge him or see him as that. As that's that. cool. I'd say that's what Hannah and I had most in common because. Um, same thing with my family. They were very giving. Like we can't, they came from Haiti. So like when people didn't have, 
I would come home and my clothes would be gone. And I'm like, mom, where's my favorite shirt? And she's like, oh, I donated it. And I'm like, well, that was my favorite shirt. <laughs> and it's just gone. And it really made us not materialistic. Um, my parents too, I had been out the country 10 times by the time I was 18. I had really good experiences. Um, we always spent time with family, but we didn't get the nicest cars. We didn't get the brand name things. Like we weren't materialistic. And my parents, like Hannah's parents had her working at 15, just a teacher, like nothing's handed to you. My parents, they didn't let me get a job ever. They're like, we want Which you a lot of parents do in high school. Right. Yeah. Because you have to focus on sports, yeah. you have to focus on this. You can't, yeah. They were like, you be the best at everything that you touch and we'll take care of everything you need. But things that I wanted, I couldn't get it and I couldn't afford it because I didn't have the money myself. My dad would give me like $7 a week and be like, learn how to budget. I'm like, $7? Say, my mom would be like, I'd be like, mom, I'm going out to eat with my friends. Here's $5. I said, mom, you know, nowadays that buys a bag of chips or something and like a drink that doesn't even get you a sandwich. And she's like, figure it out. Like, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, my friend next to me has like 30 bucks. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. And our friends are like, yeah, my dad gave me like $60 to go to the movies. And me and Hannah are like, do you want to For you. <laughs> like you want to share because I don't have anything. Yes. So they did teach us hard work, but they also taught us to work hard for what you want and what will make you happy because your time is very valuable. Right. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't deserve to be wasted. Just like their money doesn't deserve to it's be wasted. the most expensive commodity is your time. They work way too hard for everything they have. They're not going to let their little spoiled firstborn daughters go and below it. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. And so they did teach us a lot when it comes to that. Um, and then, yeah, our families are very giving as well. So, I would say the cultures that we were raised in were actually pretty similar. As we conclude, you know, tell me a little bit about what you, some characteristics that you guys think y'all have or you developed since starting the company that have helped make you successful, right? At 23 years old, you run your own companies or your own company, right, together. What what did y'all have to do? What did y'all have to know or build or, or be to be successful at such a young age? I will say for me, constructive criticism and learning how to take it, how to apply it, how to grow from it, and also humility in a sense of when you're an entrepreneur and you are doing a lot of things yourself, you want to take credit for that. You kind of want to, and no one, and no one else is in your corner because it's a lonely world. And even though Abby and I have each other, that's it. You don't have a boss who's training you. You don't have a team around you. It's really just you or you and a partner or you and maybe a few people and that's it. And it can be very lonely. And then you kind of want to, you know, puff yourself up sometimes and be like, well, I've done this and, and I was up till 2 a.m. last night and I did this and this is what I did and look at me, 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 me. And it's, it's a hard balance of learning how to be your biggest cheerleader and be confident, but also give credit where credit's due, and it's always we. And that's what Abby, even in our emails, I'll be emailing a client, and sometimes we'll send drafts to each other before we email the client, say, yep, hey, absolutely. how does this look? Did like, I misspell anything? Yeah, just making sure, like, everything, we don't need anything else. And so I'll send her a draft, and she'll be like, hey, Hannah, change I to we. And so it would be like, hey, like, you know, I'll start with we, and I'll be like, oh, you know, we wanted to check in, and when we're doing this, and I made sure this happened, and I did this, and I did this. And that's almost like my subconscious, just kind of, like, saying what I did. Right. Instead of realizing that, oh, wait, it's not 
you as an entrepreneur too you think that it's it's it is because it is lonely you think that it's just you but you don't sometimes take this take the step back to realize your parents and your friends and your family and your partner and everything else around you that help make everything be a success it's not just you like yes you put in so much hard work and you want to get credit for that and you want to you know also again to you give credit where it's due but it's it's a we thing that's something that I've been able to really learn like I think everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and mine is definitely like I'm a go 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 I'll do it but then I'll make sure to let you know I did it I'm taking constructive criticism that is something that's everyone kind of has a hard time doing but I will literally ask Abby after and she said she'll take notes after every call I'm like how'd I do what did where are my mistakes how can I improve because I understand I cannot grow if I don't take the constructive criticism some people are so prideful they don't want to take it it's like no no like you don't know what you're talking about like or at the end of the day we're still 23 exactly exactly a lot of room to learn exactly and you have to understand that as an entrepreneur you have to know that you can't think you have all the answers because you don't and even if someone has new and doesn't have as much experience they have a whole new lens and a new perspective and they have insight too so definitely don't take anyone for granted as, as another thing. So don't take anyone for granted um, and definitely make a difference in other people's lives and focus on the we and not the me and then and the team and not the I. And then also um, take constructive criticism and grow and learn from it. So something that I've learned, again, what, what I'm about to say is rooted in the we versus I. It's about the bigger picture. It's about the big team. Um, but I really learned, so Hannah said she learned constructive criticism. I learned communication is very important. Um, I am used to moving alone because I was already doing like some freelance marketing by myself. Um, The career I'm in is business to business sales. And so I move by myself every day. I make my own schedule. Um, And then I started a marketing agency with my best friend. And we already know each other. We communicate a bunch, but we are not in the same state. Um, we don't know what the other person's going through because as Hannah said, it feels lonely. It already feels lonely. And so I had to learn how to over communicate according to my standards, because me, I'm like, oh yeah, everything's going fine. It looks great. And so in my head, I'm like, everything's good. But Hannah might be like buried and I don't know because I didn't speak up. Um, or I might be buried and Hannah doesn't know because I didn't speak up. So having to, the importance of communicating uh, has been really been brought to light with me through this experience because you really need you need that team to get you through a lot of this. Um, no matter how lonely it feels, there is power in numbers. There is, and whether it's needing help around you and just having people aware of what's going on around you so that they can help where it's possible, um, or adding value to them as well because they know what you're up to. Um, Communication, a little communication goes a long way, a long, long way. Like a late project, the difference between a late project where your customer is mad at you or where they're okay is just a, an email that said, hey, we're running a little late. Is that okay with you? Right, <laughs> you absolutely. Know, communication is really important. And and I learned a lot of that from Hannah um, because she's like, dude. I'm overly communicative. She'll be like, yeah, she communicates so much. Oh my goodness. She communicated so much. And it was so overwhelming for me at first because she would send like these mass, mass yeah. texts. I'd no, like, massive oh, texts, like pages and I pages. I saw her hands. Her hands were, it was, it was a long text. Yeah. So that's for sure. She's like, oh, I can't 
but <laughs> when you're my partner, you get off. Like she expects uh, me to respond to this. Yeah. <laughs> and, to every part. Yeah, every part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Then like I had to learn like that is one of the most necessary parts of our business relationship. Just that communication itself. Especially because not in person because, too. It's because we are a team. It's because we're moving as a unit. Right. And um, the my family is the ones who taught me to speak in we. So like I will tell Hannah constantly, like speaking with Hannah's like, oh wow, Abby's a genius. But I'm like, no, my family's in my ear telling me that is gonna get you guys a long way because there's power in people knowing a team worked on this. Mm -hmm. Two people worked on this. We both have your back. You don't want to seem divisive with each other either. Right. Mm -hmm. There's power in numbers, there's power in unity. Um, and it 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 just shines through us yeah. as individuals. They're like, we're in this together. Um, and then in your day-to-day, -to -day too, you never feel completely alone. Even if we're going through something personal and we feel like no one will understand, we will call each other. Yeah. Still, because we know like we are a team. We are in this together. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. You know, it's been a pleasure having both of you on today. Um, you know, I think that this is going to be a, a wonderful episode. I think there's going to be a lot of good stuff that can be given back to People who were, you know, two years behind us. So hopefully, we, we, hope can give so. Them, hopefully we can give them some knowledge and some wisdom, right? Some stuff that they can apply and hopefully take into the future. But um, Abby and Hannah, thank you all so much for joining the show. Thank you. Thank you.